of your eye, huddled in the darkest shadows of imagination, it waits. Now is the time to face the fear. Welcome to Horror Lasagna. Embrace the trepidation. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, I don't know that at any point in time we actually say who we are. I mean, not like an introduction, but like, oh, hey, great. Yeah, we, we, that kind of. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the first episode we did an intro, kind of who who we are, why we want to do this, but uh, it hasn't changed. So. That's true. So who are you? <laughs> I'm Reese. <laughs> and I and no. Uh, singing of the who there no uh, and i'm steven and we're here for uh, our our ninth episode now indeed uh of horror lasagna uh we're doing the loved ones this time yep the uh, loved ones so you know we, we we went really dark and got lighter and lighter and funny and let's you know we don't want people to forget that horror does not mean comedy all the time so we went with the loved ones before the last uh, comedy one so that's right Give us the scoop on this movie there, Reese. Uh, this movie is an Australian film uh, from 2009. Uh, Australian. Now, I hate saying this because I haven't seen all Australian slasher films, but it's been my experience that Australian slasher films, um, like the bad guy in them, is never some masked, never some supernatural, never some super powered individual. It's just. Some crazy person with a lot of determination. Somebody with a flip switch in their brain. Yes. And a lot of times they're based on true stories. Um, like really based on true stories. Not like La Casa Muda where we're saying, oh, this was based on a true story. And yeah, it's an urban legend. Like Wolf Creek is based on an actual guy who used to hunt down people who are hiking in the outback. That's just what he did. So, um Everybody needs a hug. That's right. The Loved Ones is not based on an actual incident, but it's based very much on um, the works of Jeffrey Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy. So um, we've got that going for us, just for a little additional authenticity. There you go. And you said something particularly about that, uh, what the director made the cast do. Uh, yes. Um, he, when they were when the cast like was all accepted and they were all set he made them watch misery natural born killers the collected works of quentin tarantino and he made them um research uh jeffrey dahmer and um john wayne gacy so they could really really get into either what they were going to be doing to people or what was going to be happening to them so uh he was, and and those movies. I've seen those movies. I I think I watched Natural Born Killers with you back in the day, maybe. But Misery is disturbing. The book is really disturbing. You know, you got the the famous foot breaking scene. Yeah. Um, and then Natural Born Killers. They're psycho, and it's got some very disturbing stuff. It was an, I think, uh, it kind of broke the mold for its time for psychological, uh, thriller horror type stuff. Yeah. Uh, for popularity there hadn't been a lot before that that kind of made people sit up and notice this 
takes it totally <laughs> in another level, another direction almost. Yeah, it's true. And one of the things that I think this movie does so well is you'll be watching it and there are elements of like dark horror comedy in it. And you'll see something yeah. and you'll kind of chuckle about it. And then later on in the movie, if you're paying attention, you'll see why someone did what they did. And it's not funny anymore. Yeah. I, I told you that when I, I said, oh, yeah, it looks like it's one of those like 70s teen slasher parody or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, OK, it wasn't. No, not at all. It just has that feel at times. So um, yeah. it was written and directed uh, by Sean Byrne, who um, his his CV isn't really long. He doesn't like have a giant list of movies. He has another movie called The Devil's Candy, which I've seen. Um, and while that movie I thought started kind of slowly and got better as you watched it, um, the loved ones is not like that. The loved ones jumps right into it with both feet. Um, it stars, um, Xavier Samuel who plays Brent in this movie. And he was in, um, twilight, uh, the, one of the twilight movies eclipse. And he was also one of the soldiers in fury, which was, um, uh brad pitt's uh world war ii piece with the tank crew which was really good yeah it was a good, good movie. movie so he was in but i mean considering you're, you're talking about a vampire werewolf movie and a war movie where pretty much everyone dies this is still 10 times worse <laughs> that's <laughs> true um robin Mc, robin mclevy plays Lola also uh, sometimes she's listed as princess depending on where you're looking things up um, the only other movie that I found that she was in that you might know was she was in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter which I have not oh. seen but she was no, she yet. was in that um, she does an amazing job yeah may, maybe too well because maybe nobody <laughs> wanted to work with her after this it's true um, her dad's name the guy who plays her dad in the movie is played by john brumpton and he's got 101 films to his name and most of them i don't recognize but when you see the guy on screen he just looks you're like oh my god i know i've seen this guy in something but i could not come up with anything well, everything got reset so okay so uh i can splice that not a problem but you're talking about the dad uh, yeah John Brupton plays the father. He has 101 films uh, to his credit. And when you look at him, he looks like a guy. And you're like, I've seen him somewhere. But I've never seen any other movie he's been in. So. He's acting like someone you know. He is. Yeah. Um, this movie was nominated for 11 awards and it won two. Well, one of them at the Toronto International Film Festival and one at a place called uh, Gerard May Film Festival. It's in France. Uh, and that, that film festival actually specializes in like um, bizarre horror movie kind of things. So <laughs> Nice. I'm glad they got an awards for that. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack also introduced me to Casey Chambers. This is another one of those movies that uh, I watch. And I was like, wow, I like that lady's voice. And so I picked up the album. Uh, the specific song is like, um, <laughs> is Lola's theme song. Am I not pretty enough? Uh, but that was the song that I was like, I love that song. So I don't know what that says. That About you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Psycho killers. 
<laughs> we enjoy our music. Um, it came to the United States and it toured film festivals like the Toronto International and South by Southwest. Um, but it only got our theatrical release in six U.S. cities. And even that was limited run. So it's hard to say, you know, you can't find how much money it grossed because who knows? And it was shot in a mere four weeks. Which I thought was kind of fascinating. It is limited in the settings. Uh, they don't use a lot of all over the place. There's a couple. No, they ones. don't. It's so. pretty much just backwoods Australia. Um, I mentioned Wolf Creek as another famous slasher movie. Um, John Jarrett, who plays the killer in Wolf Creek, was offered the role of daddy. And he turned it down because he didn't want to end up being typecast from then on out. And has he done anything since then? Wolf Creek 2? Oh, okay. So <laughs> don't want to be typecast. He's landing many, many great roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's... Uh, yeah, okay. The last two notes I have, we'll get to when we get to it in the story. Because I don't want to okay. give anything away. Again, spoiler yep. alert. <laughs> yeah. We're covering the whole movie. Uh, but I don't want to spoil my own spoilers. So no, right. And you know, we'll, we'll make sure we do on the ninth episode that we tell people there's spoilers. I think we right. have earlier though, but anyway. yes, we have a couple times. Yeah. Um, the movie begins, uh, with Brent and his dad and they're riding down the road, listening to music and they're having a great time. Um, Brent's driving. They're just goofing around. His dad lights up a cigarette. Um, and he and Brent are talking. His dad looks out the window and says something. And Brent looks up and there's this shirtless guy. He's got blood on his face and a bloody heart on his chest. And he's just walking down the road. And Brent swerves to miss him, loses control, you know, new driver, dirt road, um, loses control, hits a tree. And his dad ends up being killed. Yeah. And, and then, that's but, but how the I movie like starts. I liked because they didn't make it explicit with ambulance and blood. It was like you suspected it because you know how these movies work, but it wasn't until later it was confirmed. I, I liked that a lot. But the beginning here gave me a zombie feel. You know, I mean, yeah, it did. You didn't know what that guy the way was. The guy was walking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that guy becomes super important later on, yeah, ironically. It's, it's very, very well done in this way. Yeah. Um, the movie then jumps to six months in the future, and um, we see we're in the high school. Uh, Brent's there hanging out with his buddy Jamie, and Jamie's helping him get the hookup on some weed in a little bag. Um, and this girl comes walking down the hall, like definite goth girl, but like even there was even like camera slow down a little bit as she went by, you know. Yeah, she and is the music. The Yes, she is the hot girl walking down the hall. Uh, her name is Mia. And this is where it really starts getting that teen slasher vibe right. at the beginning. It's kind of, I, I think in some ways they may have done that on purpose to, to give you this sense and then totally left turn it and make you, whoa. Yeah. Rip so, the carpet out from under you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she's getting in her locker and she walks off and Jamie really wants to ask her to their formal dance. Um, and he's too scared and Brent finally convinces him that he can go do it. And so Jamie runs around the corner, 
And then the next thing you know, Jamie comes back and he's like, yes, she said yes. And he's all excited. And it does feel like, ha way to go, buddy, kind of right. thing. Um, and that sets up right there two of the stories that are told in this movie. Yeah. Which I think is really kind of cool. Um, after that, this really kind of mousy girl comes up to Brent. And um, she gets like really close to him, awkwardly close to him. And she asks him if he'll go with her to the formal dance. And he's nice about it. He's not a jerk, but he's like, I'm going with Holly. Um, And then he leaves and she's just standing in the hall. And you can tell from looking at her, she is upset by this. Yeah. And not like upset, like crying upset, like mad upset. Like if this was Firestarter, things would be burning right now. Yes, exactly. Or if it was Carrie, psychonetic blood would just flow everywhere. Right. Uh, Brent walks out of the school and his girlfriend, Holly, is waiting for him. She seems uh, really nice. They head out to her car and start to fool around. He takes his shirt off and he's wearing a chain necklace with a razor blade on it. And then the camera pans to his arm and you can see he's been cutting. Um, and like she, you know, goes to her face and she's a little disturbed by that, but it doesn't last long. They proceed right. to have sex in the car. Yeah. And she loses her shirt. So I'm like, well, she's going to die. We'll just hold that thought for a while. Yeah. Um, then the camera pans out to the window and Lola, the girl who just asked him to the fan to the formal dance is standing outside watching them have sex in her car. And we're um, no longer in teen slasher territory. Right. <laughs> um, it's, it's yeah. Cause it's, it's weird because just her standing there, her presence alone is a little disturbing, but like the look she's giving, the other thing that I find a little difficult to grasp is that Holly drives a Volkswagen bug and they seem to have a little, they have a lot of range of motion in there for as small as the cockpit of that car <laughs> should be. They're young. They're agile. <laughs> um, so, uh, Holly drives him home and, um, okay. I'm gonna have to pause for a second. Thanks. I won't move that way. The edit. You're, goes. you're welcome to move. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to send an email real quick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, while we were down, I had to answer a phone call. So. This is about school. I thought you were done Price. with school. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. All right. Done. So what I'm going to do is like, get a pose like this and then it'll like jump from something normal <laughs> to this thing. And it would be very disturbing so, anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So we were talking about, uh, Lola Lola watching, watching them. them. Yes. Holly drops him off a short distance away from his house and asks if he's told his mom that she's gotten her license and he says he hasn't. So she assumes she should pick him up at the same place. And he's like, no, she's got to get used to it sometime. And I can kind of see this where the mom would be nervous about other teen drivers as he was a teen driver and right. she just lost her husband. Yep. Yep. Um, she's, uh, she says she'll pick him up at seven. 
they kiss goodbye and she tells him that she loves him and he gives her a second kiss and doesn't say he loves her back, which seems to disappoint her a little bit. As he's leaving, he mentions that uh, Lola asked him to the dance and she says maybe he should go with her if she doesn't mind an emotionally stunted boyfriend, Yeah, which I thought was, you know, that's a good one. Nicely done. Yeah. 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 And that's our first real uh, indicator that something happened. The dad obviously died. Yes. Uh, So, and and, you know, he's messed up. (laughs) Right. Uh, he goes in and tells his mom that Holly has her license and she says, I'll call you a cab. And he's like, uh, you don't trust cars. You don't trust cars driven by inexperienced drivers. So you're saying that dad being dead is my fault. And right there, you know, in case you, it wasn't clear enough yet. They're hammering at home right here. Right. And, um, and- it's interesting too, because you know psychologically they'll talk about it and tell you, you know, th- these people need to get some closure and need to move on with their lives, and they obviously haven't. And right. So it is almost like, I, in some ways, it seems like the movie's saying, "This is why he gets targeted." You know, it's kind of like the the crazy person finds the one with the most psychological problems. Yeah, and here we are. Uh, I don't know, probably eighteen minutes into the movie, and we have the third leg the third story that's going to be told over the course of this movie. Um, he gets mad and he leaves the house um, with his dog and uh, goes walking off and he goes up to this place with a cliff and uh, he's going to climb up the cliff, but he takes like the toughest route. Like you can stand back as he's approaching the cliff. I'm like, you could just go around there to the left and just walk up it <laughs> like the dog did right like the dog did but he purposely goes to the hardest part and starts climbing up um while he's doing this they do this really cool thing which again is setting the pace for things to come it goes from this emotionally intense thing for him and they intercut this scene of holly getting ready for the dance and she's happy and having a good time and he's all stormy so they do this thing where they cut back and forth with the contrast throughout the whole yeah. movie. I shouldn't say they burn. The director does this thing as, um, so he's climbing up this cliff and he gets to this one spot and like almost falls. Um, but he catches himself and he struggles with it and like pulls himself to the top of the cliff. And it's like, he has this realization. He actually wants to live. Yep. And it's very symbolic also of, overcoming that mountain yes overcoming adversity yeah yeah um he finishes the climb and he lays down on the ground and with his dog and he burns a little weed that's you know he's got his little pipe and he's hanging out there it might be legal in australia you know so in 2009 i doubt it was but it might be now (laughs) i'd be surprised if it's not um it's also inter. uh while he's laying there on the ground smoking, uh, it's interspersed with his mom standing alone, looking out a window, smoking a cigarette. Um, his mom decides to give him a call. And as she's calling him, this mysterious figure shows up and gasses him with like a rag soaked in chloroform or something. Yeah. So he doesn't get to answer the phone. Um, he gets knocked out and drug away. Uh, now we go to the story of Jamie and Mia. 
at least for a little bit. Jamie stops to pick up Mia, and she's like your traditional goth chick, stereotypical goth chick. She's in a hurry to go, but her mom comes out and yells to her dad that he's here. And Jamie's trying to be like great to the parents and everything, and Mia just wants to bail. And the mom comes out, and dad wants a photo, but dad's wearing a uniform. And we realize that dad's a cop. So we can see why Jamie wants to be polite and why Mia might have an issue with that. And, and I swear, this is like the most awkward date pickup ever. Yes. <laughs> and Jamie's really trying. I mean, he's saying stuff and it's just everything's going against him, falling flat. Kudos to Jamie through this movie. He tries so hard. Oh, he does. He really wants this to be a real good date. And it, it really seems like Mia's just, I, I, it was better than staying at home. So why not? You know? Yeah. Um, the picture gets taken and the kids take off. Uh, then we see Brent's mom. She's wandered out into the wilderness to look for him and she can't find him. When Holly shows up to pick him up, um, she and his mom like compare notes and realize neither one of them know where he's at. So, uh, again, you have this kind of happy thing going on. I mean, bizarre, but happy. And then this morose thing happening. Uh, we go back to the happy, funny part. Jamie and me are driving along, and she asks him if he has any uh, weed on him, and he makes some joke, and and she's like, "You're expecting oral sex tonight, or something?" And yeah. and he's like, uh, "Uh, super awkward about it." <laughs> yeah, I love Jamie obviously because he's a very uh, less than confident nerd on a date, so I I can relate. You know, it's good to relate to characters in movies. <laughs> There you go. Um, Then out of nowhere, there's this odd scene that's interjected where somebody stops to buy a bucket of chicken. You're just like, okay. Then we go, (laughs) we go back to Brent's house Um, and his mom and Holly are there and they're concerned. Um, But they get more concerned when his dog shows up and he's been stabbed. Hurt. He's whining and crawling and it's like oh man you always feel worse for the animals (laughs) yeah absolutely holly takes the dog and tries to get him to a vet but he dies on the way which is like the death knell for movies you know if if anything will kill a movie it's killing the dog at least in america you know that john wick that's all they ever bugged keanu reeves about was the dog died in the first movie which yeah. arguably the dog kind of needed to for the story. I'm not saying they should kill dogs and animals, but for that story, it, it was what pro, you know prompted them a lot. That was the only thing. But, and then in this, the dog dies. It's like, you just feel like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. But she gets upset and she's just sitting there. It's a very emotional scene. And it makes you wonder what's going to happen to the owner of the dog. Yes. Yeah. Um, Brent's mom calls Jamie's dad, not Jamie's dad, calls Mia's dad because Mia's dad is a cop. And he answers the phone and he and his wife share a look like it's it's Brent's mom again. And it looks like there was something between them or something while they're talking on the phone. There's obviously some sort of connection and tension between them. Yeah. Um, But you don't really know what it is. And so the first time I saw it, I was like, Ooh, did they like have a thing or something? Yeah. You know? So, uh, but it leaves this, this little bizarre mystery. Uh, I also thought that 
possibly they were trying to convey that she does this all the time and they don't completely care or believe her anymore too. Because obviously if you look at her, it looks like her whole life is a wreck. I mean, she's, she's wasted and the house is dark. Yeah. Never happy. So, yeah. Um, Jamie and Mia get to the dance and Mia looks super excited to be there. Yeah. Not really. In fact, she makes absolutely no move to get out of the car. Then we come to this white El Camino. And this white El Camino is uh, the one that stopped to get chicken. Um, We've seen it driving down the road a couple times. And it's driving through the dark. And there's a dead wallaby on the side of the road. And the El Camino stops. The door opens. A hand reaches out, grabs the dead wallaby, and puts it in the car. Which, again, very humorous concept. Yeah, yeah. It's humorous, but with a little bit of Texas Chainsaw going on there. Yeah. Um, They're headed somewhere remote. Um, The truck stops, and out comes Lola's dad. And Lola comes out, and they pull the tarp back, and there is Brent, passed out in the bed of the truck. At first, Lola's worried that he's dead. She, like, yells at her dad, and it turns out that Brent's fine. He's just still unconscious. You're like, hmm, wow, that's just a little twisted. She wanted that date so bad. She did. Um, so there's this, the next scene is Lola sitting in her room and she has a scrapbook. Of course. <laughs> um, and she's listening to Casey Chambers sing that lovely song. Um, and she's like flipping through it and it has all of these boys in it that like, apparently she's loved over the years, I guess. And her dad comes in with a prom dress and dress shoes for her. And she's thrilled and wants to try it on immediately and wants his opinion. So she makes him stand there while she's getting changed. And he looks super uncomfortable as it's happening. I mean, do you blame him? (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. The relationship between the two of them is beyond just odd. It's uh, kind of disgusting at times. Super bizarre. And and I, I, I mean, it, right here, it really looks like Lola's the, the aggressive and in charge and the father is just very uh, subversive and you know, whatever she wants, whatever she says, which doesn't make him quite all right in the head either, obviously. But, yeah. Um. He tells her that she's pretty as a picture. And then the camera cuts to Brent in a tuxedo tied up to a chair, which is bolted to the floor in the, uh, in the kitchen or the dining room of this house. Sitting across from him is daddy. And Lola comes into the frame wearing her prom dress. He looks to his right and there's a woman sitting at the table and she has a scar on her forehead. And that's when he realizes that he's tied up and the chair's bolted to the floor. And it's not just a scar. It almost looks like a bullet hole. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, is she like Wolverine? She's been shot in the head and that's right. pushed it back out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's this whole almost ceremonial thing where Lola fills a syringe with bleach. And then her dad holds Brent's head as she injects it directly into his vocal cords in his throat. 
and he cannot talk anymore. In fact, it's I think it's noted that it's at 27 minutes in the film. The actor has no more lines to say from there on out. <laughs> Can you imagine? They, they're like, okay, here's everyone's like lines for the movie. Lola gets this big, thick thing, and he gets handed one piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you go, Xavier. Here's your. Think you can handle on. that? Yeah. Honestly, uh, I don't think I would have wanted to do his role. Just in general, he gets the snot kicked out of him a lot in this film. He's tough as hell, though. But he is. Um. So he can't speak anymore, and uh, then she like gets down next to him and her dad takes a picture like, you know, like it's a formal dance and she and her dad are acting like this is normal. Um, he wants one with her mom who we find out is, uh, I think they call her bright eyes. Bright eyes. Yeah. Like yes. She's a dog. They want her in the picture and she goes to sit in the picture and, um, he goes to take the picture and Lola purposely pulls her hair because she's sadistic and she hates her. Um, so he takes the picture and then he's like kind of chastises her about, Oh, it's just a flash. It's nothing to worry about. Not realizing yeah. she was freaking out because Lola was being an absolute bitch. And one of the things when they're, they inject the bleach and he's like kind of gargling, screaming, uh, they start yelling, we can't hear you. And they're laughing yeah. about it. And yep, I, yep, I got yep. a point for that later, but obviously uh, they're teasing him. Yeah. They are. Um, and a lot of what they do uh, that you see happen are things that Jeffrey Dahmer used to do to his victims. The bleach to the vocal cords kind of thing. <laughs> if, so, if people are watching all 10 of these movies and they don't have trouble sleeping, I, I would be concerned. Because uh, seriously, uh, it, with some of the our messed up stuff, this one was just as messed up as Martyrs or any of the other stuff we've watched. And on one hand, it might've even been worse because like in martyrs, you know, it's in a movie, but I've never, ever heard of that actually happening to anybody. But the things that they do to Brent in this movie (laughs) happened 30 years ago. Yeah. So like a bunch of people, I mean, so that makes it just a little more disturbing in my eyes. Right. I agree. I, I definitely would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just to break the tension, here's Jamie and Mia. They still haven't gone into the dance. They're thrashing out to uh, speed metal and smoking weed in his car. It seems like a great date for a goth chick. I mean, she seems yeah. pretty happy. And hey, Jamie's got a date, so he seems pretty thrilled with the super good. hot chick. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so and- one, one thing I think we, we skipped over earlier in Mia's room, not Mia, uh, Lola's room, they showed all the dolls. <laughs> They did mm. a pan scene among the dolls. And these are like tons of dolls. Uh, you know, obviously dolls look creepy at times, but these are in like various sex positions. <laughs> and they're uh, like, they got little marks on them for blood and all sorts of things. So that's yeah. in her room right before yeah. the scrap. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, as opposed to Brent's room, which has uh, like Metallica posters on the wall and right. like music festival posters up and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's a nice contrast between the two, right? Because Lola's at first glance might look like this, you know, pretty little prissy girl kind of thing. But then when you get into the details of it, it's really not right. And I wonder what attracts her to this boy and the other boys that were in her scrapbook. You know, what was it? So something, I don't know. I, 
I will say this. Um, Xavier Samuel is an incredibly handsome guy. Yeah, he's good looking, long, so, curly hair. Yeah, yeah, and that, like, his jawline is impeccable. So I get that. <laughs> okay. I still think it's the psychological thing. He's wounded, he's scarred, he's vulnerable. I think that's it what. Very well doing. could be. Um, so after we see Jamie and Mia having a great time, we're back to Lola's house. And they're eating chicken. Well, Lola and her dad are eating chicken. Um, Brent is working on loosening the ropes on his wrists secretly. Um, Lola and her dad do this wishbone thing and she gets upset when she loses, but he covers it over by saying that he wished for her to have like the best time ever, that kind of thing. Um, and right here with the dad, I'm still thinking he's kind of scared of her. He's submissive to her you know he doesn't know how to handle the situation so whatever she wants to keep her happy uh, that's not necessarily my thoughts all the way through the movie but at this point that's what i'm still thinking and that's a really good point too because i actually thought by the time the movie ended i just had the feeling that um this is the kind of behavior that he was practicing as well it's yeah. like something that's been passed down because all throughout the movie, like with the bleach and the stuff later with the drill, like he, he's precise about it. I mean, he's got it down to a science and he's instructing her. Yes. He's teaching her. He's passing on this tribal knowledge of psycho killers. Um, (laughs) Lola tries to feed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lola tries to feed Brent a chicken leg and he's not going for it and he won't eat it. So she looks to her dad who grabs a hammer and just sets it on the table. And then Brent decides that he's going to try the chicken, which she keeps saying is it finger licking good. And she wants him to suck on his finger. Yeah. And he manages. And and this is. I'm sorry. uh, Sorry. Uh, This is where I start going, oh, the dad's not so submissive because, man, he really gleefully picks up that hammer and gets this look in his eye, and he's just waiting for it. He's excited and like, okay, he's not just a submissive little weakling. He's crazy. That shit. Yeah. Um, she wants him to suck on her finger, and he manages to whisper that he needs to use the bathroom. But she says not until um, he sucks on her finger. So he does, and she really seems to appreciate it, and her dad really seems to not. Yeah. Which, from Prince's point of view, you know, would be a worrying thing, being tied up, you know, strapped to a chair and a guy with a hammer and all. Uh, You know, not to mention the psychotic girl in front of you. Well, yeah, you know, make her happy and the dad's unhappy, but (laughs) is it better the other choices? (laughs) You know, none of these choices for poor Brett from here on out are good. Yeah, yeah. Um, she asks if he still needs to use the bathroom, and he says yes. So she just pulls out his penis um, and a glass and tells him to fill it up. But she um, drinks the milk first, so, you know. Yeah, the- we don't waste. <laughs> um, when he can't, she says that he's lying. Are you telling Porky Pigs, are you lying? Um, and so she threatens to nail his penis to the chair if he doesn't start peeing in, like, ten seconds. Which for me probably would have been it. Yeah, yeah. it's already weird enough, but yeah, on (laughs) command like that, and she starts to count down. Um, at the last second, he manages. Um, and she says it's crying. Um, 
So he kicks her right. and he slips his ropes and he makes it well, outside. Well, you want to be really disturbing for the podcast. She says it's crying. So she wants to kiss the tears away. Yes. And it's right in front of dad. So yes, I mean, you. it's like, okay, let's just keep going from one disturbing scene to another, which then, you know, talking about all the juxtaposition, the scene with the the nerd and the goth chick smoking in the car instead of dancing seems like wholesome Andy Griffith type, you know, down on the farm goodness compared to what's going on here. Yeah. And it's one of those things where he gets out of the house um, and he's using his razor blade to cut the ropes. Um, and he gets out of the house and I'm like, awesome. You know, like, yeah. all right. And then I check the time code and I'm like, not oh, all right. <laughs> um, Danny follows him out. It turns on the headline, a uh, headlights of his truck. And, you know, he's trying to look around and he goes to move his truck. Well, Brent was hiding underneath it. So he rolls out just in time, but the dad sees him and chases him down with the truck. He climbs into a tree. Um, Lola comes out with a flashlight and the dad's throwing rocks at him. And then Lola takes turns and they're just, throwing rocks at him, having a good time. And eventually he gets hit and falls out of the tree, bounces off the hood of the truck and hits the ground. Brent is the worst runaway from the bad stuff. You know, that's, it, it's, it's again, has those overtones of the old teen slasher flick. Cause isn't that what you always joke about? Oh, I'm going to run and fall. You know, I can run 20 million times but now I'm going to fall. But he chooses the horrible spot. He runs to a tree in their yard. It's like, dude, it's dark out there. Just go through the, the weeds. Just keep going. Don't stop. So I, I agree with you. However, the one thing I will say is they're in the outback of Australia. Oh, no. And there's no tree. Like if you were here in, you know, where we live, you could head for a small copse of trees and anyone in a car is not going to be able to follow you because the car is not going to go in between the trees Right, right. out there. There's nothing. I mean, it's True. all basically flat, hard pan kind of deserty stuff. Right. Um, right. But yeah, you know, hiding well, underneath I, the truck is a bad idea. That's the first he, thing he's going to get in, but yeah, he had a head start. You know, he, he yeah. could have taken off, gone around the house, and then at least they would have had to look for him a little bit. It gives them a chance to maybe find something to hide behind or elsewhere. And if they go a different direction, head off somewhere else, you know, up your odds at least. Yeah. Hiding two feet away from the door under the truck does not up your odds. Yeah. Um, They tie him back to the chair, and then the dad pounds steak knives through his feet. Yeah, into not even the floor. nails. Yeah, steak knives. That's going to um, feel good. Lola they, demands. I think they were serrated too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why? Why would you yeah, use yeah. a smooth blade? <laughs> of course, we don't sound psychotic on this podcast at all. Not at all. Lola demands that he cry, and he won't do it. Um, the whole time, the dad's pounding that. He just looks at her with like sheer. Again, you know, if this was Firestarter, the place would be in flames just from the glare that he's giving her. <laughs> yeah. Um. Mia's dad goes out looking for Brent because uh, Brent's mom had called and asked him to, and he finds his pipe and a smashed phone. And Holly is with his mom, and they're like, they're like bonding over this whole experience. I kind of got the feeling, you know, that 
his mom was just didn't see Holly as like a real thing. Holly and Brent wasn't a real thing. It was just one more risk he was going to take by getting in the car with her and going to this thing. Um, but they're, they're like, they're really bonding over this, over him being missing and how much Holly is helping Brent's mom get through this. Um, Mia's dad shows back up and like, here's the phone. Here's the glass pipe. Obviously something's happened. Which I'll give the cop kudos here. He, he didn't start going off about smoking the weed and stuff. <laughs> he actually was more concerned that, you know, here the boy looks like he's missing. So yes. Uh, Cause in your typical horror movie, the cop's just going to blow this off. Right. Right. But this dad, this cop actually has a reason to think that something fishy is up. Yeah. Which we'll get to in a bit. Um, Lola and her dad are going through his scrapbook, her scrapbook of her past victims. And um, they have this heart carved into their chest. Um, That's where you really find out, oh, these are past victims, not just boys this right. girl was into. So again, you got that whole you know, two-sided thing going on. Right. Brent's not really paying that much attention until she gets to this page about the one who got away. And when he looks at it, he realizes it's the guy that he saw with the bloody face and the heart on his chest the day he got in the accident and killed his dad. So we've come full circle. We uh, have. His dad died, and it you can kind of say it was Lola's fault. You could, yes. You don't find out what happened to that boy. Um, but I felt bad for you because it said Reese is one of the boys in that scrapbook i was like oh man too bad <laughs> yeah well what are you gonna do yeah um jamie and mia are still burning down in the car uh she accuses him of being sick of her because he wants to go inside um so she does the whole blowing weed smoke into his mouth and you're still like you know what jamie's having a much better formal dance night than Brent is. Yeah, it may not be the creme de la creme of dates, but I get the feeling that this may be the best date he's ever been on. Yeah. It's got a girl. So, I mean, that's probably the best date he's ever been on. Uh, and then we go from that back to Lola's house where she has completed drawing, drawing with air quotes, a heart um, on Brent's chest with a fork. She's basically jabbing over and over making a heart in his chest. And then she and her dad take turns throwing salt onto his chest because oh, yeah, that's how sadistic they are. So if we're keeping track, so he's been gassed, uh, tied up. Um, he's been, uh, skewers through his feet, uh, bleach to his larynx and now carving on his chest with salt. Yes. So, I mean, if, if we're doing the, hey, let's take a drink every time Brett has something bad happen to him, we're getting really drunk on this one. Okay. But on the upside, it's <laughs> almost upside. over. Oh, okay. That's an upside. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the movie's not almost over, but the, the mutilation yeah. of, of Brent is, oh. we're reaching the end of his mutilation stage. Yeah. He, he got hit with a rock and fell out of a tree. Too, that's true. So, yep. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um. Holly is in his room looking at a card that he bought for her. And in the card, he tells her that he loves her and he thanks her for putting him back together again. Some statement about all the King's horse. You've done what all the King's horses and all the King's men couldn't do. Well, um, she thought she had a hard job before. 
wait till this time. <laughs> yeah. And his mom's sitting in the other room looking really worried. So we're going from that scene back to Jamie and he's still trying to get Mia to go inside, but she now seems like she's super altered and like she wants nothing to do with him now. Um, and it, if you've ever been in an altered state like that, you realize I just want to sit here until the world stops spinning around for a second. That's kind of the stage that she's at right now. Um, you, usually nothing good ever comes from that. <laughs> but actually it's the best part of the movie, the highlight of the movie. They, they, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm thinking at this point, it's like, okay, how is their story going to intersect with what's going on? Cause right. You know, something's yes. got to happen here. Uh, it can't just be about pacing, right? Right. Um, Lola is declared queen of the dance by her father. They blow noisemakers. They... Oh, because they're dancing like very close and seductively for the prom. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Again, we can't just have a little bit of creepiness going on. It's. Yeah. Uh, Daddy threatens Brent with a hammer when he won't blow the whistle. Um, then he gets crowned king and. Lola acts like she's all thrilled and excited about it. Jamie finally manages to get Mia into the dance and they are dancing, but Mia's not really there mentally. I mean, you can tell from looking at her, she's not into this. Um, As the dance continues, she just begins. She's got her hand on Jamie's cock through his pants. um, And everyone is watching because she's not being at all subtle about it. And And she wants them to oh, yeah. she wants to make them uncomfortable she wants to basically say f you to everybody yeah um she calls them out for staring at him and then the principal comes over calls her out on it and kicks him out of the dance and which his is, word oh, sorry go ahead which is exactly what she wanted from the first place she didn't want to be there right right and i love his words it's not like stop that don't do that it's like if you're going to do that go elsewhere yeah <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> i don't want to see this um, Brent and Lola are dancing as her dad throws glitter over them, which is kind of funny because, you know, on the one hand, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, he's got her. You know, he should do something. But we got to remember that his feet are still pounded with steak knives into the floor. So he's not actually dancing so much as just standing there while she sways back and forth. <laughs> he's probably in a little pain. Yes. Uh, in general. She announces that the song... Um, is the one that she'll dance to at her wedding, but it, Brent's not going to be the groom. Then she dances with her dad. Um, and there's this really disgusting kind of, you're the perfect man for me, daddy. Yeah. And this whole incestuous kind of gazing between the two of them. Yeah. As if they weren't disgusting enough as it is, right? Right. Yeah. Sorry, I jumped that earlier. That's that's what the part I was talking about. Yeah. I do that. While they're doing this, you know, making moony eyes at each other, Brent gets a razor necklace out of his pocket, but drops it. Um, he then, he manages to pick it up. Like he falls down or something to pick the razor back up. Uh, Mia's dad shows up at Holly's house and it's not just, you know, the neighborhood guy who happens to be a cop like he is here as a, a policeman in official standing and he's like the search and rescue team will be out in the morning uh holly calls her mom 
but her mom's not answering. Um, and then she just ends up in Brent's room, just crying. So, um, Lola takes that roadkill. Remember the ha ha funny joke about the dead wallaby and picking it up. She takes the roadkill. Her dad has just beheaded it. Then she goes over to the living room and there's a set of Bilko doors in the living room under a carpet. And she opens them up into a pit in the living room. Screams come out of this pit. They're pouring water down in and telling whatever's down there to sing for their supper. Yeah. Now, now I, actually, I, with all the screeches going on, number one, I thought, oh, they must have borrowed that from Mad Max. Because um, that's just kind of what it made me think of. But I kept waiting for her and her dad to yell, we can't hear you. <laughs> Well, they don't ever show you what it, they don't show you no. actually what it is. And so but my you first, hear, just my screeching. first thought is, are we getting into something supernatural now? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the pit to hell. Cthulhu's coming right. out of the hole. Yeah. 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 Um, Jamie and Mia seemingly drive off somewhere and Mia is all over it, all over him. And then they start having sex and there's a knock on the window, and it turns out they really didn't drive off anywhere. They're still at the school, and the principal shows up and tells them to get off of school property. Right. So. Again, best date ever for Jamie. Best, Jamie's best date ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Lola's dad comes out with a drill and gives her some last-minute pointers on performing what is essentially a lobotomy. Yeah. Well, so, he doesn't want to break through into the brain. He just wants to drill the hole through the skull. Just so you through put the, the pressure skull. on. And you know, as well as I do, you start drilling something, you get to that end and something. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. And you got to be that. careful. Yeah. Especially uh, if it's a skull. I mean, geez, everybody knows that. She tells Jamie that he will be her first. Um, and her dad puts him in the headlock and she approaches with the drill. Um, when she goes to do it, and this is 110% accurate. If you're drilling and you hit a hard surface, if you're not careful, the drill bit's going to slide right off, which is exactly what happens. She goes, hits his forehead, goes through the skin, hits his skull, and it slide, the drill bit slides off to the which, side. Which has to feel wonderful. I think that's a double drink if you're keeping track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she goes back in for a second time, and she gets it right. I mean, she... <laughs> Drills a hole. Yay, she got it right. Well, <laughs> that's just, I mean, what's the scene is just, it's very, very dark humor to even be laughing about it, but it's just, it, it's very disturbing. It's one of the most disturbing movies. So the funny thing about it is up until now, I just kept thinking he's getting out of here. He's making it out of here. And then when she actually puts the hole in his head, I'm like, Ooh, Maybe he's not. Uh, yeah. It, 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 every, it, I, at this point, I'm going, wow, this is falling way more into the psychotic thriller rather than the uh, horror. Uh, you know, it's it's gone so far beyond just, it's very horrific. Yes. Yes. But, you know, I will I will take some Crimson Peak ghosts over this. <laughs> you know, I need <laughs> a, a palate cleanser or something. This is, this is more along, down the line of a saw than it is a Shining. And it, oh, Saw is tame compared to this in many ways. Um, Brent has partly, flash partly oh. because it's a teenage girl, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes it so much worse. The whole the whole kick ass thing, right? With yeah. um Zoe Moritz, you know, 
chopping people down, you know, adults like this little girl, it's the same kind of disturbing pairing that, and a lot of times that dissonance, that, that uncomfortable dissonance is what makes a movie really disturbing and like lasts with you for a long time. Very much so. And I I made a note that uh, unlike martyrs, because we talked about that, how they, he did really well in martyrs to make you question who do I agree with? Who do I feel bad for? And you got to question yourself and you know, it's art, you know, that's, you know, what art tries to do. Um, In this, I I don't feel bad for her, her dad at all. Uh, Not in any sense. I don't, I don't know what their background is, what the reason for any of this is. I don't feel any. So let me ask you this before we go on with the rest of the movie, because it's uh, the friendship relationship, buddy theme. Who, are the buddies in this that you were thinking of when you chose it? So um, you have multiple layers of friends. On the one hand, you have Jamie and Brent. Right. They are very good friends. Then you have Brent and Holly, and they're very good friends. And then throughout the movie, all three friends are split apart and put in situations where they are not with their friends anymore. Right. And even in Jamie's case, as we'll get to eventually, it's not a good time for Jamie either for Jamie and Mia. Jamie is not Mia's friend. Right. And she is not doing this out of a desire to be his friend, you know? So you have the friends, the actual friendship is only there for, like the first five minutes of the movie. And then after that, you have these friends that are just split okay. apart and this is how they're horrible. Their nights go across. And that's kind of what the themes have been. You've mentioned a couple times with the movies, it shows the friends, how they're different, but then how they get separated. Yeah. But arguably the father daughter is a friendship and it's, but it it's so lasts through the whole movie. It's true. Uh, the friendship between between um, Daddy and Lola is so disturbing, but so deep yeah. and ingrained that you know it's it's not a friendship that's going to ever break asunder. You know what I mean? No. It, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it was Australia. I swear to God, if this took place in Ohio, I'd I'd be moving. It's it's not unlike La Casa Muda where the friends were her dad and his creepy buddy right? and all the nasty stuff that they used to get up to in that house, including with the girl whose dad was involved. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. They're friends, but they're not heroes. Oh, kind God, of thing. No. <laughs> um, okay. So she's, she's put a hole in his head. He has flashbacks about all the people who are important in his life. And you hear a, a kettle going off and he comes back with, a pot and hands it to Lola and she is supposed to pour boiling water through the hole into his head, which <laughs> as if we couldn't get more disturbing. I'm like, are you kidding me? And it, it is a chemical way of initiating a prefrontal lobotomy. He will. And now you understand why bright eyes has that scar on her head and why she's so submissive and just sits there glassy-eyed the whole time because this is what's happened to her because that was how lola lola had to practice had to get good at this yes or did the dad do it i wonder well she tells she tells brent that he's her first oh the dad must have done this to her 
Um, oh, good. I didn't even pick up on that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. She's a man. But again, <laughs> this is actually something that Jeffrey Dahmer did to his victims. So yeah, I didn't remember that. So it was more disturbing seeing it in the movie, I think. Yeah. It, it's the whole concept is, you know, prefrontal lobotomy is pretty horrible, but like this is like well beyond the pale. And here's the funny thing earlier. The, the, the threat of the nail through the penis was like, oh, that's horrible. That seems like a walk in the park compared to everything else. I mean, come on. Seriously. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's mostly flesh sp- spiking it. People do that because they want to. So <laughs> that's the least horrific thing, <laughs> which the, makes me disturbed. The funny thing is in The Serpent and the Rainbow. Oh, yeah. That was like the prime. That was like the top violent act. Yeah. Was was the spike through the through the testicles. And here it's like, eh, put that in the first third of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's not that big a deal. We we want to build up to the yeah, horrific we stuff. We gotta get above that. Yeah. Um so Lola goes to pour this into the hole in his head and um he's thrashing around, but her dad's got him in a headlock. Well, she goes to pour and she misses and hits her dad's arm with a scalding water. <laughs> Again. Hints of comedy. Yeah, just a pit. Uh, she complains that the hole's too small and asks her dad to, to bore it out a little bigger, which he does. And, okay, so I've had my teeth worked on, and you get that vibration going on sometimes in your whole head. Can you imagine the hole in your skull and he's widening it? You're, I mean, no. I, it makes me ache just to think about the uh Yeah. Um. While he's doing this, Brent gets through his ropes with the razor and cracks dad in the face with a razor. And it's a good cut. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't get like, there's not like this long camera lingering on it, but you can see like flesh is hanging off to the side. And the father is just absolutely aghast at it. Oh, And he's man. just standing there in shock. Yep. Um, so... He then pulls the knives out of his own feet. This this is a testament to like this guy's willpower. Um, pulls the knives out of his feet, and then he throws the drill at Daddy. And you know it's it's a great ploy when you throw something at somebody. Nine times out of ten, they're going to catch it. Um, so he throws the drill at him, and then follows up with one of those steak knives and stabs him repeatedly. Which, yay, that, you know, that's the thing. You always see these movies where people stab him once and walk away. And you're like, no, don't, they're, they're going to go get back up. And, oh, he doesn't stop. Uh, he's got a little bit of rage at this point. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, if you've been doing following the drinking game, he got the hole drilled and widened. Uh, you know, I hope you're sufficiently drunk for the rest of the movie. Right. Because, you know, everything else that happens, there's no more self, no more mutilation, no. at least on his end. But <laughs> um, Lola goes to attack him, and as rightfully so, angry high school boy, he just lashes out and lays her out. He then pushes the daddy down into the hole, and the camera follows, and you see inside the hole are all of her old victims with yes. their lobotomy scars, with their hearts on their chests, and as soon as daddy hits the floor, they're on him and eating him. Uh, it, it, uh, <laughs> I thought the zombie movie from the first scene was like, oh, a zombie movie. Now it kind of is. And it just, this, this whole movie, the, the fact that they're in this pit and in Did the living the room and they're, they're, 
surviving this way. They keep them this way. They, you know, she's. I, I, this will give you nightmares. Just spoiler alert warnings. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I, it, uh, trigger warning kind of thing. Oh this yeah. This whole movie is one. Yeah. People want triggers. Here's a trigger. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, while he's watching this happen, she comes up and pushes Brent into the hole. So now he's down there with them as well. Um, and then she closes him in down there. Yeah. Yeah. So he's down there with them, trying to fend them off with a flashlight and a hammer. Um, he he must have missed some secret items hidden somewhere before this happened in the yeah. adventure game version. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now we go back to Jamie and Mia. We'll just Let's leave him there in the dark. Pause with, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jamie brings Mia home. Uh, her dad comes out to greet them, and Jamie's a bit scared. Mia goes inside and Jamie well, tries to make he, light he, he of it. Just, he just had sex with the cop's daughter while wasted and then drives home. So I'd probably be a lot nervous. Yeah. Um, so he tries to make a joke of it. Um, and then we're back to Brent in the basement. Uh, we, Brent looks like he's the victor, which is not surprising because you have all of these feral creatures um, that are wasted away and ill. You know, um, and then he looks and there's just bones everywhere. Tons of bones all over the place, but no way out. At this point in time, uh, Lolo decides to start checking off things on her bucket list. She goes in and smothers her mother to death. Okay. Uh, next. Yeah. Check. Um, and at this point, it becomes important to note that technically Lola has only killed two people ever which technically she's not a serial killer uh, you need three you need three or more so <laughs> i'm glad somebody defined this yes <laughs> that's about as disturbing as the rest of this movie is yep <laughs> Jeez, how man i didn't know that <laughs> okay. now Here's here's the the whole trump card to tie all of the three stories together. The last missing piece, Jamie and Mia. Mia goes walking into the house and then walks into a room and says something about, you know, why won't it ever go away? And there's a picture on the desk and the guy at the start with the heart on his chest and the blood on his face that Brent swerved to miss was her brother. Yeah. And so we know her brother went missing. We know her brother was dead now. And so now we see, you know, there was communication between Brent's mom and Mia's dad, because Brent's mom was like the last, last tie to his son while, you know, he was still alive at some point in time. So, so let, let me, uh, uh, point out here. We, we've made the comment before a lot of times we don't like remakes and a lot of foreign films that get remade in America we don't like as well. Right here is probably the reason why, because that bit and tying it all together and that story and weaving through everything, that's very powerful. Uh, and it's a very deep story in many ways, even with the just on the surface horror stuff. And I say on the surface because you could take a lot of that out and still yep. have this story. Yep. Uh, it's just, this is what makes it the horror movie. And that's what people want to go see. But the problem is a lot of 
filmmakers miss the deep underlying story. And that's where this movie, it, it's got the, the horror and the, all this going on, but it's got this story underneath. And that's what makes it such a full-fledged movie, in my opinion. Regular old horror lasagna. Horror lasagna. Boom! <laughs> um, there's this uh, juxtaposition scene that happens next. We have Brent in the pit and Holly sitting on his bed. And she has a flashback and remembers something. And she calls Mia's dad saying, oh, you know what? Lola asked him to the dance. And now we know Mia's dad has just as much reason to want this thing solved. Regardless whether it's Brent or not, this would be the person who did terrible things to his son. Yep. So he heads over to Lola's. Um. And he looks in the window and sees blood all over the floor, pulls out his gun, just break, breaking and entering. I mean, and it, it legit, I mean, there's blood on the floor. That's certainly um, enough warrant for a police officer to act. Um, so he breaks in and um, with his gun out and Brent's making as much noise as he can in the pit, right. having, you know, bleach on his vocal cords. Now, here's where I, I went, oh, wait a second. Come on. This is just doing something. Uh, for the movie, because a cop would have radioed that in. A cop would have asked for backup. With that much blood, I, I wouldn't want to go in there, regardless of what's going on. But when you tie it into the whole reason, he's didn't radio it in because he wants revenge. That's he's right. There for himself. Yep. And it would have been really, actually, a, I don't want to say a completely different movie, but it would have been a different ending if what happened to him doesn't happen to him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If he yep. would have actually gotten his piece, you could have rolled credits there and it would have been a great movie. Yeah. But no, but he, he goes in cause he hears the noise in the pit and he's, as he's looking in with disbelief, uh, Lola hits him with a hammer. I don't know. Yeah. Something metallic on the end of a stick. Um, and he falls into the pit. Yeah. You've got a gun, man. Clear the room. Even I know that much. You know I mean? Yeah. He's done. I mean, uh, however, what he has done is he's given Brent a gun. Yeah. Which Brent immediately just turns around and um, starts shooting. Now, now, this is another scene where, you know, Brent's not the action hero because that gun only holds so many bullets and he just starts firing. Boom, 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 boom. And they're all gone. It's like. Yeah, you might might have wanted to wait on that. It's also important to note that in Australia, in 2009, there are no guns. Oh. There's a complete gun ban in Australia. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Except for like hunting clubs and police officers in the military. So, you know, he's never fired a handgun in his life. Oh, well that so, wow. Uh, that actually makes me appreciate the story more, because how else would you get him a gun? Yep. Wow. That's awesome. Um, Lola grabs his necklace and says she's going to go kill his mom and Holly like he did to her daddy and then she leaves yeah this, because you know that's she She deserves revenge <laughs> yes exactly what he did Um, and she just starts walking and at first I was like okay that's a little ridiculous because even if you are psychotic and angry there's a vehicle there Um, but her dad's El Camino is smashed up against a tree. Yeah. But I don't know why she wouldn't take the cop car. True. Unless it's just that she's psychotic and angry. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what I 
you know, push it off to just so rage filled. But they also made a point of Holly getting her license earlier. So it didn't seem like all the kids got licenses and drove. It's true. That it was a, so she may have never driven. So may have just like been Brent's never shot. Exactly. Which shows he missed. He barely hit the ceiling. Uh, Brent actually comes up with a brilliant plan. There's lots of dead bodies and body parts down in this pit. So he starts to build a pile so he can climb out. Yeah. Which considering his runaway skills, uh, that was pretty impressive, especially after all of this, uh, that he can even think straight. But he does go cliff climbing on occasions. That's a true point, too. Yep. I, I think cliff climbing is a little easier than dead body climbing, but I don't know. It might just be me. Um, so he's climbing out. Lola's walking down the middle of the street um, in her prom gown with a knife and her scrapbook. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and she sees a car coming, and it's Holly coming down the road because Mia's dad's been gone too long. She's got to know what's going on. Um, so she throws the scrapbook at the windshield. She like hides herself on the side of the road and throws the scrapbook at the windshield, um, which doesn't damage the windshield, but it's enough to make Holly stop. Right. Um, so Holly stops. And then what happens next is Lola opens the car door and there is a very realistic yet still pretty humorous fight scene between the two of them as they're fighting across the front bucket seats of a Volkswagen bug. Right. And now, right, right there, I caught something and this is just me as not to diminish the movie whatsoever, but the one seat had some blood stains on it. So I think that they couldn't get that out in between takes mm. <laughs> before she even got in the car, there was blood stains. So, but it does, that's just me catching a little something and I don't want to, diminish the movie in any way for that. Uh, but it's one of those little Easter egg, I guess things. And before you go thinking that Holly's just fighting to save her life, she notes that Lola has Brent's necklace on. Yeah. She sees and so the... she's mad too. Yeah. So the girls are fighting. Um, Brent climbs out of the hole. He takes the car cops car and goes flying down the road. Um, Holly, not having a weapon is just running down the road. And, and she's Lola, faster than Lola, which is good. Don't have to be faster <laughs> than the bear, just faster than you. Right. Um, Lola's chasing after her with the knife. And as Brent's flying down the road, he sees Holly and swerves to miss her. Very reminiscent I, of the whole beginning scene. However, whether it's, I can't imagine it's his experience because I doubt that he's driven since he killed his dad. Probably more to do with the quality of the vehicle he's driving. He does not really lose control of the car. We'll chalk it up to a little experience, but he's had his head drilled into. So I don't know if that would have counted or kicked in. Yeah. And, you know, police cars are built for, you know, high speed chases and things like that. So their yeah. suspension is so much better than you're going to have in a regular car. True. Better so, tires, too. Yep. He swerves around dirt. her, misses Holly, hits Lola. Bam. And here's another piece of dark comedy that doesn't actually need any kind of, <laughs> ooh, here's a dark twist to it. Lola is crawling, using the knife to help herself crawl along the road to get that him in the car. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so reminiscent of like Monty Python kind of thing, right? <laughs> Your arm's off. It's just a flesh wound. Right. I mean, she's, she's determined to get him. And Psychotic course, rage will keep you living forever. <laughs> 
and of course you know what Brent's gonna do. He's like, "Oh, you want to get to the car? Reverse." <laughs> <laughs> and there's this little blood splatter on the back part of the bumper where her head came off of it, which I thought was really well done special effect. I mean, not a whole lot of special effects in this one, but that was a good right. One. Uh, the best part of that whole scene is there's this brief second right before it cuts away where she realizes what's about to happen. Yeah. And it's like, there you go. Good editing right there. Yeah. Because it, it worked really well. I didn't feel like it was jarring my eyes and figuring out what was going on. Um, Brent drives he and Holly home, and his mom runs out and hugs them both. Roll credits. And I just kept thinking, you're going to want to get that hole in your <laughs> head looked at pretty soon there, bud. Because... I, I was thinking, you know, Holly was so glad to see him at first, and then she notices, and she gets a little. So how 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 adjusted is this kid ever going to get again? I mean, you know, where where's he at? And they oh, yeah. just end it. So it's like, a long road to normal from there. Oh God, yeah, it, you know, it's like a lot of these movies, martyrs. We keep bringing up, but it leaves you with what happens. What's you know? But that's not the story. You know what happened right. afterwards? So right. it ended really well. It's, it's, you know, it's really well done. The movie is super cringy, um, but it's meant to be, I mean, it's meant to like say, Hey, no, this kind of stuff happens. And you know, um, so there's your lesson. Don't go to prom. (laughs) We should have learned that already. That actually, that that's actually a bit of contention right there. Um, (laughs) because it gets mentioned as prom at least somewhere in the script. But in Australia, they don't have prom prom. They have a formal dance. And so there's been a little, uh, a little contention over that. You know, if you're going to pick something you're digging deep, if you're fighting over whether or not the word prom is in the local (laughs) vernacular. True. But didn't uh, the dad and Lola say prom at the table? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. That's where it showed up. Yeah. But, um, it is, it's a brutal film for it, sure. It really is. And like I said, all of the things that you thought were funny, it turns out they really aren't, you know? Right. It's like the, the director knew what it seemed like and what these type of movies were. And he threw little things in there that would be a normal funny trope in a teen slasher movie from the seventies and eighties, but then skirted around it and made something very horrific. Yep. Absolutely. So, my question is the title, the loved ones, who is that referring to is uh, what, what, what's your take on that? Oh, well, Steve, it's obvious. The loved ones are all the ones living in the basement. All her at past boyfriends. Yes. See, while I was watching the movie, I thought it was referring to the family. Oh, we're the loved ones, but we're psychotic killers. But you know, as it came across with the kids. So I was just curious if you had any other take on that. Uh, Actually, I didn't think of that until the second time I watched it. Um, But she carves a heart into every one of them. And there's an L inside the heart. Um, And and so when you look at it, you're like, oh, okay, they're the loved ones. The loved ones are her pets that she keeps down in the cellar. And what what is love to a psychotic teenager? You know, I mean. (laughs) Baby, don't hurt me. It would. (laughs) (laughs) It gives the title uh, several you know, deeper meaning than just uh, what it could be on the, the surface again, yeah. like a lot of this movie. So, okay. Yep. Cool. Man. 
So, I, I mean, I, I know, you know, we've talked a little bit about season two. I know that we're ending season 10 with a TV show. At season one. Season one, I'm sorry. Yep, season one with a comedy TV show. And I yes. know uh, you, you were getting the list. We're talking about season two. So if people really like this, hey, you've got more coming. And, and I know you, you wanted to get the worst movies out of the way. So everything's going to be pretty lighthearted and good from here on in. I know that, right? That's really not the case. Yeah, I, I figured uh, that was it. I know you. <laughs> there were there were a couple times as we were going through this where I thought of one of the other movies on the other list. I was going to be like, oh, it's just like that scene in Audition. And then I'm like, oh, wait, we didn't watch that. Okay, I'm not going to say that then. So, yeah. <laughs> when we watch Audition, we'll cycle yeah, back. Then, yeah, then we'll cycle back. Remember, we we're talking about that dissonance? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. um. So there you go. We got one more show for season 10. So all these episodes we're hoping to get out before Halloween. Cause as of right now, it's still August for us. Uh, and then we are talking about season two that we want to get out sometime after that. So we got more movie watching. So I'm hoping people are enjoying this once they get out. We're, we're talking as if they really have watched it already, but <laughs> yeah. I, Todd and the book of pure evil is up next. And yeah. um, it's, it is slapstick comer, comic comic horror comedy um and it's a tv series so um i was starting to think about it and i thought we'll we'll probably just talk about it in broad strokes because if we go through episode by episode this it'll be a four-hour podcast yeah so it, it would take us longer to describe each episode than it would just be for people to watch it right right we'll we'll do some overall everything yeah. oh um, and, th- and then and uh, then we can do an update because I've been watching American remakes. Oh yeah, that's right. We could do a yeah. whole bonus episode. How's that? Yeah, we That'd can do that. Cool. Yeah, okay. Maybe we can do that in between season one and two. Sure, uh, a little teaser. Yeah, there you go. Um, and also, I mentioned Phantom of the Paradise to you. A movie you did. that was recommended to me by Dean Haglund. It's a 70s rock opera in a way. It takes awesome. uh, horror from several stories, uh, Faust being one of them. Um, but uh, over the weekend when I did see Dean Haglund, so name drop, I got to talk with Dean Haglund, so I'm very happy about that. But anyway, I recommended to him to watch Suck uh oh. because we were talking about comedy horror so i recommended that to him so in two or three years if i get to see him again i will follow up with that and see if he actually watched it yeah should be cool all right season nine or episode nine man i i, I think i should have been drinking while we were talking about there you this. go maybe you have been i could have been i don't know so <laughs> all right man all right see you Creature slips from perception. Pay attention.